Welcome to another episode of the Reboot Chronicles, a no-holds-barred forum with global leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and CEOs about how organizations stay focused on growth and innovation in unprecedented times. I'm your host, Dean DeBias, coming to you live from Revive's North American headquarters in Chicago, and we would like to thank you for joining us from around the globe today. I'd like to welcome Taryn Cattell to the Reboot Chronicles. He is the founder and CEO of Kodo, a web-based social crypto community platform for women. Pretty exciting new venture that we're going to unpack today. He's an inspirational leader that has been the CEO of various media companies. And through that, he's literally transformed the way audiences view, consume, engage, and leverage traditional, digital, and social media platforms. Taryn, I usually see you running around the halls of uh, Kellogg Northwestern, so it's so good to see you here. Yeah, I know. It's so good to see you here, Dean. Yeah, thanks for for joining us. So much to talk about. A lot of the viewers know that I I talk a lot about Web3 and and, um, and, um, the metaverse and stuff on the the keynote that we've been doing around the the world, Um, but haven't really talked to a lot of Web3 companies that are going... um, out in a very big way, so this is a uh, great to great to talk about that. And I, I'm never sure where to start because your story is so inspirational on how you got started. But I, I think maybe maybe to start, let's just tell everybody exactly what it actually is. What is Kodo, and and um, and and how does that you know why is it Web three? Let's just kind of start with the basics. So <clears throat> I think you can think of Kodo as as Reddit or Quora or uh, even WhatsApp uh, communities, but only for women, right? Uh, we are building a platform that allows women to have conversations that are pertinent, relevant, uh, in an environment that is their own, that is dedicated to them. Uh, over the years, we've seen that, you know, social media has kind of deteriorated for women. Um, and, you know, there is enough work, study, conversations, whistleblowers, that have actually shown us how algorithms are not helping uh, women, uh, and especially women and people of color, et cetera, uh, to find their own voice, to to be able to find their own space, to be able uh, to bond, to be able to find questions, answers, uh, and even uh, find their own identity. And so we realized that, uh, you know, over a period of time that what we really needed was a free and safe space that was dedicated for women, but also a space that gave them true and equal participative ownership because they are the ones who will go out and build the network effect. They are the right. ones who will go out and build all the content, bring all the people onto the platform and eventually uh, you know, own nothing. Because like in the Web2 world, we all uh, you know, went on and invited our friends onto Facebook or created following on Instagram or uh, you know, invited people onto WhatsApp, but eventually it is Meta that owns the platform, owns all the data and, you know, centers all the advertising that gets generated from all of that. Right. But, right. You know, here is an opportunity for women to be, be equal owners in what they create. I love that part. I, I call the, um, so we're all still living in a web two world here and going in to uh, 2000, um, 23 and 24. And it's, um, so I call the web two world kind of like the landlord oligopoly phase, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, you, you don't own anything, even your own photos sometimes, or at least you're not monetizing. So I, the, the difference with you is not just creating, you know, communities for women. People have done that before all over the world. And some of them make uh, a lot of money, but that whole democratization of the 
of the web space. And um, how do you see that um, evolving? Like, when are we going to get to a real Web3 type of world, uh, mass market type of stuff? So, you know, that's the whole thing, right, Dean? We want to build a decentralized uh, platform that that actually can be every woman's platform in the world. We don't want to do a very niche Web3, you know, gaming or Web3 Web D5 kind of solution, which are really good. But don't get me wrong, but they don't end up touching lives of many, many uh, people across the world, right? right. Uh, we had the option of doing a metaverse for women. We had the option of doing, <laughs> you know, more involved stuff for women, which we will, you yeah. know, and that's, that's the that's the second stage, whether it's NFTs, whether it's metaverse. But I think at the first, we wanted to make sure that we were able to reward every action on the platform by putting it on the chain, doing an ERC-21 token, which will eventually be traded in exchanges, which can be used to buy advertising on the platform, which can be used to buy discovery, which can be used to be buying utilities on the platform. And really you know, building an ecosystem that thrives, but also rewards everybody who creates that ecosystem with you. Right. And, and you, um, I love your story. I mean, this was inspired by an experience your wife had. Um, is that, is that where the genesis of this came from? Or were you already thinking about something like this in your next venture? So, you know, if you go back, uh, uh, for my couple of decades of running businesses, media businesses, yeah. digital businesses in India, I started with uh, a news corp network, uh, you know, in the year 2000, which was called Star TV in India um, and news corp now Disney. And and I remember very early days of working closely with James Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch. And, and we did a show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in India, which right. became an instant hit and changed the fortunes of of uh, million of uh, star in India, much like what it did for Disney in the US, but mm-hmm. or ABC in the US, but but I think it you know it did a lot more for star. In I India. think it has and a bigger show, impact in India, absolutely. It's, it was the show continues to be running after twenty two years, and it's still the wow. top rated show in the country. So yeah, though it's moved networks because Sony eventually bought the franchise and then moved the franchise to their platform. But that apart. Uh, the one thing we did on building on top of Millionaire was a lot of uh, soap programming for women. India hadn't seen daily soaps uh, and India hadn't seen fiction programming at that scale and size. And so we built out women dramas, female-centric women dramas, which which have lasted or which continue to rule the roost of, of uh, mainstream television in India even today, 22 years down. And that gave me a huge connect with women audiences to understand what they needed, what, what was really happening. I moved my journey. Uh, I moved to Sony. I then started a big radio network in the country. And then at last, I, I ended up at uh, one of India's largest streaming platforms, video streaming platforms, which I founded for another large network in the country called Z. Okay. But as I was exiting that in end of 2020 and pandemic actually, you know, uh, did a lot for video streaming or did a lot for uh, for realizing that you know, uh, that consumers had moved digitally so quickly and so on and so forth. I realized that even digital had been unfair to women like TV had been earlier. And there was very little good content that was available for women on even on streaming platforms. So I thought I started my journey by wanting to start a streaming platform for women. But I very quickly realized that, you know, the problem was even even bizarre at the social media level where, you know, 
women, forget the curated content, but even the created content which women were creating themselves, they didn't have a voice even for that. And there were so many issues that women would like to have discussed, you know, whether it's sexual health, whether it's mental health, whether it, it was, you know, even small things like acne or pigmentation or or periods or PCOS or or thinking about, you know, body shaming and, and what should I wear for my wedding. All those kind of questions, which really, you know, the current social media didn't do much for, right? right. And there was a certain yeah. sense of fear, a certain sense of um, almost a, a sense of social reprimanding if you would want to go and have these conversations on open social media. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and it seems like you can do any genre. It seems like, you know, games, is, as much as it's not a massive uh, female uh, um, environment, it's becoming more and more with, with young young women and girls and, uh, you know, health and beauty and wellness. And, and it, you're not dictating any type of, a, of a, you know, platform direction. It's like whatever they want to create on the platform, you're, you're creating it. And uh, you're also calling it a safe space, which is both from a that both from a business point of view um you know not uh, not giving all the money away to the oligopolies as well as just real real safety in terms of online safety or what's the uh, what's the importance so i think i think uh, you know women want to have a lot of conversations but unfortunately what what has happened in the oligopoly and with all the big tech is that they don't want to take their best foot forward in making sure that trolling doesn't happen, right? There's an amazing BBC Panorama study which talks about what really has, you know, big tech done for women. And it's it's unfortunate to say that, <laughs> yeah, you know, if you get much. trolled, they will promote that content even more, right? right, uh, right. Because for them, views matter, people's sanity doesn't matter, people's, you know... Mental health doesn't matter. It's really about views and views converting themselves into more and more advertising, right? Um, and that's where we need to draw the line. We need to create a platform that women can do and say what they want to. They can find relevant, pertinent content, but also to find relevant, pertinent connections. And and the other big difference is that it's not one to many, but it's many to many so that people can come together and, and solve for these things because not one person has the perfect answer for everything. Right. And, and how does Koto stand out from a, you know, a lot of the social community platforms that are out there now? So we, we've talked about monetization, obviously, you know, so that's, that's one, but what else, what else is unique about it for, for them? So, so what we've really done is that we are not playing the big advertising game, but what we are playing really is one, it's a safe space. Two, you have participative ownership. But three, you have a suite of monetization opportunities which you choose from to be able to make this an entrepreneurial venture of your own, right? Whether you want to do product commerce, whether you want to do service commerce, whether you want to do paid communities, paid content, whether you want to do courses, whether you want to sell your own merch, whether you do want to brand advocacy. We are only building the tooling and the infrastructure and right. eventually it's your revenue to take home we will only take a platform fees out of it. And it's not that we are going to pump you with advertising and, you know, keep all of it that for ourselves. Yeah. yeah, that's very refreshing. So the monetization model is, it's almost like open source. Um, they'll probably create new models as you go, stuff we haven't even invented yet, probably in this in this Web3 yeah. emerging uh, world. And then um, you mentioned platform. So how, how does Kodo make money? 
So we get a platform commission for every checkout that is on the uh, on commerce, yep. whether it's service commerce, whether it's product commerce, whether it's brand advocacy, whether you want to deploy advertising in your community, we get uh, a percentage and a slice of that. But we don't want to keep the entire thing and you know give you a slice of that. Right. And if um, so, creators, influencers, just regular people, uh, companies, little regular companies, um, female yeah, publishers, can come on the platform and either set up shop or it doesn't always have to be monetization, right? Is, is, is there multiple things that they can do besides? They can first, at the start, they build communities and build connections, right? Because that's really the start starting point. And if you build a great community and build great connections, whether you're a brand or a publisher or whether you're, you know, a, a influencer or whether you're somebody who's really close to a theme, you right. first build connections, right? Once you start building connections, then you will know where your monetization journey goes, whether you can bring, bring in content or bring in yourself or bring in live events, which people find really precious and they're willing to pay money for, or, you know, you have a large enough base that advertisers are willing to fund for, for stuff you can do within the community. Think of this as, is your community, right? You can decide mm-hmm. whether my community is a paid community or a free community, and then this could be very well a real-life community. <laughs> So elephant in the room. I mean, you and I have both run media companies. And um, so you know, you've got the publishers, you've got the advertisers, whatever, the networks, whatever you want to call them, the media. Um, you know, and then the audience, they always call it over here. It's a very different mix of uh, money, motivation stuff. Are, 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 are those big gorillas going to you know, be on the platform at some point? Let's just start with brands, advertisers, because that, that is what makes the world go round, you know, if you add up. <laughs> Every vertical, you know, just take automotive, the billions of dollars they spend on advertising basically pays for a lot of things. Yeah. So anyway, somebody has to pay for the lights, right? Yeah. So yeah, brands are very welcome to come onto the platform. They're very welcome to utilize the platform for the right reasons, to be able to both do community building, but also do commerce on the platform, right? Do Do their own checkouts on the platform, to be able to get other creators promote them on the platform and it's a seamless journey. So if I'm as a creator of a community promoting uh, a Unilever product, I can also directly refer people on to going on to the Unilever store right. or to go to the Unilever community and then from there on, therefore. So, you know, there are a lot of options for brands to be able to use the platform, to be able to, I won't use the word exploit the platform, but to be able to connect with the members, the relevant pertinent communities, and also because communities are also built around themes. Right. Like if I'm a femtech brand, then I can easily find women who are dealing with that issue mm-hmm. uh, and, and go and help them, work with them, understand and get insights from them. Because you must realize that you're getting raw and real insights from these communities, which are precious, right? Uh, so if you do either your own community building or become a part of communities that are relevant to your genre, what you're learning from there, you won't be able to learn in, you know, in all the research that you do in all of the place. So brands could be on the platform, but not in an overwhelming, controlling way that we see in other platforms. Correct. Um, it's a community owner's choice whether they want a brand to enter that community or whether they they want advertising within their community feed. Yeah, and community ownership is their specific community. They, they don't they don't own a piece of yeah. Kodo, but these these entrepreneurs own. They also, once you build build out in enough of a size of a community, because you get the token, you do participate in the value creation at Kodo itself. 
Yeah. So you recently um, announced, I think, 5,000 um, exclusive uh, tokens for these early adopter creators. Um, how, first of all, what does that mean to the audience uh, listening in here? And, uh, and how's that going? So we've got uh, non-fungible tokens, which is NFTs, uh, which are being given out to women who bring in who, the first 5,000 women who bring in 100 members each, right? Yep. Um, and we're doing this because we want to really reward them because that's the first flywheel of half a million users that come onto the platform. And I think they very well deserve uh, an extra amount of uh, incentivization because you tend to forget the first early people who who helped you build the community for, uh, or the platform, right? Or the, or the, the flywheel. Because that's the, yeah. Correct. And these are the people who, you know, almost uh did did the groundwork for you right so that's the thing but the big program is the kodo token program where we give out kodo tokens for every individual member that is referred onto the platform um it's it's different for different countries and for early creators who come in and bring in or early members who come in and bring in other members onto the platform mm -hmm. uh, we tend to keep giving them, but it starts, the value start of the number of tokens we give you starts to reduce as we hit the S-curve. And as your audience gets bigger and bigger into the millions and you have this, um, you know, token exchange system, NFTs, are they only going to be your own or, I mean, there's, there's already ecosystems out there, but these will be just more of the open sourced, um, you know, monetization so, of NFTs around correct. the globe or how, how's it working? So basically, there are two parts, right? The NFTs will be yours to sell in the open market after a year. Okay. And uh, and the tokens will also be listed on exchanges across the world for them to be, you know, liquid and for users to be able to find, uh, you know, their own uh, monetization out of that. So if I have a creator who, who got in, say, a thousand members and I got 2000 tokens for that, I will hold on to the tokens or I will sell them. I can decide to liquidate them or I can decide to use them for further discovery on the platform to be able to build an even bigger base of uh, of users on the platform. Got it. Can we just break it down with a simple example? So um, let's say you have a, 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 a female entrepreneur. She has a beauty company. She's selling, uh, you know, beauty products. We call them indie brands, right? Um, like right now on the platform, could, could I just, or could a, one of their community members just buy something and pay with a credit card? Do they have to use, you know, yeah. crypto right it, now? So that, that is, that's exactly the roadmap, but all commerce purchases will be in fiat. They don't need to pay crypto. The one thing we've kept very uh, easy and seamless and frictionless is all the commerce revenue that happens on the platform, whether it's brands, whether it's creators. We don't want to create a friction of, hey man, the purchases are all happening through crypto because that then just creates you know yeah, um, it's not the that much more friction. yeah that's why i asked yeah, yeah that's not it's going to take a no, long no. time and uh, the only thing that is on crypto is the tokens that you receive for referrals on the platform but everything else is on fiat yeah so that makes sense and um yeah and uh, what what what's your uh, so, so um you know you've launched and uh, it, it sounds like you're in uh, india uae and uh, a little bit of asia singapore what um, what's uh, where is it available now? So the the Android platform is available globally, but the GoTo community, uh, as we call it, has been activated in India. We've got the first early thousand communities already onboarded and now moving into Middle East. Uh, clearly, the need for a platform like this in the Middle East is also even more acute than India. 
But it's also acute anywhere in the world, right? Women need a free space. Women need a space sure. to be able to have the kind of conversations that are very relevant to them. Uh, we are open to adoption wherever women find this platform, you know, easy, necessary, or relevant. Uh, and I think we're seeing a lot of inorganic, you know, uh, shoot, uh, green shoots happening across the world. But uh, in a planned and a phased manner, India, Middle East, Indonesia is our first go-to market. And then we move to Brazil uh, and North America and parts of Europe. And as you look at launching in all these different countries, and you know, you're a big media guy, you know how to you know how to scale. That's what I like about you. Is you what kind of uh, you know, what kind of partners are you looking for in terms of your expansion plans? So uh, we have two or three type of guru markets. One is token led growth. So, uh, which is where we use big influencer marketing agencies uh, who have a lot of influencers on the roster to be able to partner with them uh, on a token option agreement Mm -hmm. where, you know, they get a certain volume of token for themselves and then they bring in uh, their influencer influencer rooster to be able uh, to then devise a strategy. They take on a target uh, of say, okay, we will bring in 5 million members and then they between all the influencers that they have, they decide how they're going to allocate tokens. They're going to optimize that and make sure that that we onboard those many kind of members. Then there are brands uh, and publishers, and there are also, you know, D2C companies. So if I'm a telecom company and, and I have a big loyalty program, then I have an opportunity to be able to give away, um, you know, Koto tokens to my women subscribers as a part of my loyalty program. And so if I come through, say, Vodafone or AT&T onto the platform, then then my sign-up bonus is much higher than if I was to come directly onto the platform. So there are credit card companies and then there are all kinds of loyalty programs, retail loyalty programs, who can decide to make this as a part of their benefits or for their women consumers. Yeah, clearly. And unlike the Web2 Landlord oligopoly phase, we're calling it here. Um, do do the community members get to participate in some of that rev share or whatever? I mean, if, if so, if they've got a community of hundred thousand women, um, and you know these big brands are uh, able to you know monetize that, uh, is that participatory as well for them? Yes, uh, every con- community creator chooses which brand they want to partner with. So we're building an adjacent that, that is a marketplace. That is amazing. Yeah. I, I, so no one's doing that right now. Correct. We're building a marketplace where uh, if I'm a community creator, I choose which brands I want on my community. Uh, whether you know, so if I could be a, a beauty community, then I can choose whether I want to partner with Unilever or L'Oreal or Mac or whoever. Right. And to be able to do stuff in my community and what I choose to be doing in my community could be very different, whether I want to do sampling in my community, whether I want to do commerce advocacy in my community to the to the Mac storefront or whether I want to do just consumer testing and polls uh, for that uh, for that brand in my community. Yeah, I love that, especially the beauty brands. I mean, it's it's going to obviously it's going to be a massive category for you, given that it's, you know, mostly female led, but the. um they are used to overpaying that, whether it's a retailer or a brand, overpaying these social media platforms to get access to influencers. And the model is, it's upside down right now. If you look at what some retailers and brands are spending on influence, this allows them to 
or allows you to help them change the game, obviously more participatory at the, uh, at the independent level, right? And what also happens, Dean, is that one, uh, you know, they're having a hard time getting this whole influencer marketing thing going. The other is when they buy direct digital advertising, there is really no way to know whether you are targeting women users or, or male users, right? right. The, all the data will never be able to give you more than 70, 80% confidence score levels that, that you're targeting actually went to the right kind of gender. And neither Google nor Facebook can actually tell you that, yeah, okay, if you took female as your cohort, you actually delivered all your advertising to women. Yeah, some of them say they know, but uh, yeah. No, the advertising, <laughs> we won't go into that. That'll be a whole nother two hours, but just, um, you know, <laughs> some media companies are still operating like back in the 70s and 80s. They still don't know which half of your you know, ad spend is the most effective. So, um, and with okay. all the technology we have, it, it should be much better. So, so you, I mean, you, all my career in digital advertising, you know, we've tried to buy audiences, but uh, but when you go down to look at Nielsen Dar, right? Yeah, it, it never shows up for more than 50, 70 percent of conference level. Yeah. What's your um? You know, a lot of entrepreneurs listening to our program, as well as corporate people and leaders and uh, all types of business folks, but. Um, as well as, you know, people looking to do their next move and, and maybe doing a startup like you. So a couple of things I love to hear is uh, what's the culture like? Um, I know you're like a remote first company, but you're you're headquartered in uh, Mumbai, uh, but you've got people all over the world. Yeah, so actually we are headquartered out of Singapore. I myself uh, am out of uh, Mumbai. Uh, the way we, we hire or we build teams is that uh, we want to make sure that we trust you. Right? If you've signed up to do a job, you will do it. So we mm-hmm. don't really need you to come into office for that. We can helicopter you uh, and and ensure that you get the job done, right? We are very heavy on collaborative tools, whether it's Slack or Notion or anything else. We want to make sure that we hire, we hire within a certain time zone. So we do between CET, which is Eastern Europe and and Taiwan, Singapore time. So everybody lies within the time zone so that we can get enough overlap time, but we are a talent first, role first, uh, location agnostic company. And so we have people from all across the world working with us without really, you know, judging them or determining whether they're, they, you know, what race or color or or gender they come from, right? And and that's good. And, and what age they are at, right? There are kids or they're young folks who are 19, 20 working with us. And then there are much older people like me and I and older who, who partake the entire process, right? And that's what we really want to do. We want to trust people. We want them to have a good time. And we want them to collaborate without having those geographic, social, cultural boundaries being put onto them. Yeah, brilliant. And, and where's it going? Just paint me a picture, you know, three Three, yeah. five years from so now. So really right, uh, where, it's, where, where it's going is really, you know, like you said, uh, it's going to be more and more participative ownership, but also the whole monetization suite is going to be expanding itself. It's going to evolve. We don't know what, what all opportunities and options uh, when members and community owners come together, they can create. And and what are the things really members want of community, member, community creators or what community creators think they can offer members, right? And we are just... Uh, infrastructure tool we are just a conduit in making sure that that match happens also you know 
the way brands start to look at communities versus looking at social media i think that's a big shift that brands are now starting to make mm-hmm. uh, and i'm hoping that you know whether it's selling in community marketplaces whether it's you know engaging with communities it's going to be it's going to be very different from what has happened on tiktok or instagram or uh, even versions of facebook right, right. Uh, the other large piece is the kind of content so content is not limited to the feed but it's also a lot, lot of q and a content right i think there are lots of questions to be answered and and there hasn't been justice done where you know people are able to freely ask and and collaborate and get answered i mean look at tripadvisor it became a phenomena because it only answers pertinent questions around travel across the world right and right. and now they brought commerce and so on and so forth but all of us you know first which who lived in the lonely planet rough guide world then shifted to tripadvisor to get all those answers all the time right it's good good story um Terrence, we really want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, can you share anything, uh, just personal story about, uh, you've talked about how you're rebooting this industry. You've got a large, uh, a, a big task on your hands uh, ahead of you here. But uh, anything about rebooting yourself that uh, might be interesting for uh, our listeners, what you feel like I could learn from? So I've, I've been a meditation practitioner for about 20 years. Ah, uh, I, do a, uh, I do a, a form of meditation called Vipassana. Uh, it's a Buddhist form of meditation. It really centers you. I've been like I've been an avid practitioner, listener, uh, you know, and I go to retreats. And I think it's helped me uh, to realize that you know, eventually business should be purpose driven. Uh, business is good, commerce is good, but if it has purpose behind it, then it energizes you, it motivates you, and it also motivates everybody around yourself, right? And I'm a huge believer in making sure that you know the uh, the vibe is right when you get down to doing something you know you don't come from a sense of greed or fear or you know some of those plethora of of negative emotions mm-hmm. but you come come into it very sincerely and and happily right and i think happiness creates more happiness mental mental stability creates more mental stabilities what we call in buddhism samatha which is really equanimity uh, allows you to allows you to realize that really everything is impermanent in life right and right. and so yeah. that's really my goal to eventually try getting as detached as possible i love that i i should say i need that actually and uh, i think more <laughs> companies need that have you been able to bring that into your companies that that yeah mindset? as much as possible yeah, as much as possible, I always encourage all my senior team members to take a 10-day retreat. We actually, uh, in my last few companies, we used to do that. We wouldn't, like, uh, take it out of your annual leave if you go to go to a meditation retreat. Right, beautiful. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave it there. Um, you've been listening to Taryn Cattell, who is the CEO of Kodo, great new Web3 company you should check out. This is Dean DeBias with the Ruby Chronicles. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we will see you soon. Mm-hmm.